This morning, I want to share with you on the believer's clothing. The believer's clothing. What we wear. What does a Christian wear? Kingdom fashion sense. <laughs> the believer's clothing. The believer's clothing. The believer's clothing. I want us to turn our Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1 to 17. But verse 12 and 14 will be our emphasis. The believer's clothing. Colossians 3, 1 to 7 says, Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ. See, when you become born again, you have been raised to a new life with Christ. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. It says when we become Christians, we should focus our attention on Christ, on heavenly things, on the realities of heaven because heaven is real. That's where we are going ultimately. The Bible says since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And it says in the verse number two, think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. When we become Christians, our mindset should be different. When we are unsaved people, our focus is on earthly things. But when we become saved, the Bible says our focus should be in heaven and we must think about heavenly things. Think about the realities of heaven and think about things of heaven and not of things on the earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. This is the mystery of the Christian. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Your real life is not what you live. It's not what we are seeing. The real life that you have now been saved is inside Christ, inside God. To put it that way. It will help you graphically picture it. Amen. And it says, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lacking within you. See, what happened to us was that when God created us, he made an announcement and said, let us make human beings in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the earth. So the mystery of your creative mandate was that God created you a spirit being and then placed you in this earthly house that will make you function on the earth. So that's why the scripture says, and God, formed man from the dust of the ground. And the Bible says he breathed into him the breath of life and you became a living being. So the real you is a spirit man that was created and placed inside this earthly house so you could dominate this earth, including this very body. Because this body is earth. It has got its own desires and appetites. And so original mandate was that the spirit man which is the real you, should be able to dominate the earth. That also includes this body of clay. So this body, when it got its own appetites and worldly lusts, as the scripture says in Galatians 5, that the spirit and the flesh, they war against each other because the appetites of the flesh are different from the appetites of the spirit. And the scripture says that because man sinned, there was a reversal of role. The flesh began to dominate the spirit. So there are many worldly things in us as a result of the fall of man. And when we become born again, it doesn't change overnight. We need to grow in God until the spirit man takes his place again and is able to override the desires of the flesh. Are you here? 
And so the Bible says that there are some worldly things, fleshly things that are still lacking inside you. Because you have to remember when you become born again, it is not your flesh that got born again. It is your human spirit that became born again. So your flesh already has experience of sin. It has experience of alcohol. It knows the taste of alcohol. So it desires it, but you must override it and say, not now, not now. I was created to control you. Amen. So when all the other appetites of the flesh show themselves, you are able to overcome them now by the strength of God. Because that is where you are supposed to be. Now it says that, therefore, put to death, you must, you must do that. The sinful, earthly things lacking within you. And he's writing to Christians and says there are earthly things lacking within us. Because we need to grow. We need to feed on the word of God and prayer to spiritually grow. So that you gain the might to override the desires of the flesh. Your body physically feeds on your favorite foods to survive. Some of you probably you've had a dessert of three balls of kinky. That is dessert. So we haven't even talked about what your starter was and your main course, your main dish was. But there are people like that. They, 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 when they see food, it's a different matter. They feed the body. But your spirit man needs to be fed. And to feed the spirit man, your spirit man feeds on the word of God. And it breathes prayer. So prayer is the oxygen of the soul. And the food of the soul or your spirit is the word of God. So when you see someone very high up there spiritually, it's because there's a lot of that in that person. Word and prayer is what keeps your spirit man alive and matures your spirit man to be strong to override the appetites of the flesh. That's how you overcome temptations. Now the Bible says that, therefore, kill these things that lack within you. Therefore, have nothing to do with sexual immorality. Fornication is a big word. It means sexual immorality. Sexual sins, sins, sexual sins or sexual acts between unmarried people. If you are married and you are involved in sexual sins, then you are committing adultery, which is the elder brother of fornication. Impurity, lust, and evil desires, they lack within us. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idol worshiper because he's worshiping the things of the world. It's the things of the world that we worship that makes us greedy. That's why somebody is able to kill because of things of the world, because of position, because of power, because of money. Someone is ready to kill another person. He says you're an idol worshiper. You are worshiping the things of the world. That is why you are able to kill someone, just for worldly things, things that we came to meet on earth that we will leave behind. Things. It says these things, you must kill them. And then it says, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Verse number seven. Then it says, you used to do these things. So it's very clear he was writing to Christians, people who have been saved. And he says, you used to do these things. But When your life was still part of this world, verse 8, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. The Bible says get rid of these things. Amen? Get rid of these things. A Christian is a practitioner of Christ. A Christian carries the name of the Lord. You know, certain families won't take it kindly when you take the family's name in vain. And if you are called by the name of the Lord, it's a very serious thing. Because the moment you call yourself, I am a Christian, you have to realize that out of those nine letters that make up the word Christian, six of them is actually the name of the Lord. Christian. Christ. Then the Bible says, therefore, you must get rid. These are the things that lack in our bodies. Get rid of rage, malicious behavior, 
slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have, been, you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked ways. So if we continue to lie to one another, lie about one another, we have to check again what kind of spirit is in us and whether the flesh is still dominating. Then it goes on to say, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. This is the mission of every Christian. Learn about your creator so you can become like him. I want to be like my creator. Verse 11. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Amen. In this Christian life, there is no distinction, there is no discrimination as to your background, whether you have been to school or haven't been to school. You have been saved, and that is the important thing. Whether you are Jew or Greek, whether you are Ga or Frafra, whether you are from Kampuchea or from Japan, whether you are from China or Canada, the Bible says we are all equal in Christ. We have been saved by blood and we become family in Christ. And then the scripture says that since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, now this leads me now to my message. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves. With tender-hearted mercy. Amen. Clothe yourselves with kindness. Clothe yourselves with humility. Clothe yourselves with gentleness. Clothe yourselves with patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. This is also part of the clothing. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, Clothe yourselves. In other words, the most important piece of clothing is love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, we are told to clothe ourselves. The question this morning is, what are you wearing? Because our clothes fulfill a number of functions. And everyone that is dressed, anytime you dress up, you find that you are not wearing one piece of cloth. You wear different pieces of cloth. From what we wear at the base, what we wear under, then we wear something on top. Then you wear another thing. Some of you are wearing 10 things, some 15 pieces of clothing. All before we get the jacket on and appear, you are wearing stuff. All is your clothing. Your clothing fulfills a number of functions. What we wear fulfills a number of functions. Number one, they cover parts that should not show. Your clothing covers parts of your body that is not for public view. And so the things that we are being asked to wear as Christians is, not to, is to protect us from certain things that must not be seen. For instance, when the Bible talks about the most important piece of clothing to wear is love, the scripture says in 1 John that love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a lot of things. So clothing covers parts that should not show. Our clothing also protects us from cold, from the heat, and from dust. Sometimes it's very, very cold and you want to wear something. There are times that it is very, very hot, and there are certain things that you wear during seasons where it is hot. Amen. Something light, so you can manage perspiration and every other thing. It protects you from so many things. Sometimes there's a, a small fly, and it can't touch your skin, but it can touch your clothing. So your clothing protects. It doesn't need to be bulletproof, but it can protect you from so many things. Whatever we wear, it protects us. So your clothing, what you wear, 
fulfills the number two function of protecting you from cold, heat, insects, dust, etc. Dust. Sometimes only when you have taken off the white shirt, then you find out that the whole neck is brown. And your, your neck is not brown colored. But something brown has come in there. Because dust. It means it has protected you from dust. That, that could settle on your skin. The third thing is that our clothing reflects your sense of judgment. And it's very, very important. It reflects your sense of judgment. Because your sense of judgment is a reflection of what you consider to be good or appropriate. For occasions, for public view, what you wear is important. It's always a reflection of your sense of judgment. I mean, if it is a wedding and I decide to wear slippers and pajamas, something is wrong with my sense of reasoning. I think if, if Dickin Kofi finds me right at the kappa, he will have to send help. He says, something is wrong with the bishop. This, 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 I mean, how? I mean, how do you show up on a wedding day in the pajamas? Something has happened to your sense of judgment. This is not a time to sleep. It's a time to attend a wedding. Or even officiate the wedding. So you see, what you wear tells a lot about you. Are you here? Amen. That's why you just can't look at some people and just decide to spend your money buying stuff. Young people, are you here? Uh, there are certain things you buy and wear and I ask myself, what is wrong here? Eh, don't spend the money on things like that. Young ladies. And they are walking. Then they are pulling the thing down. What? Then why did you? Can you get it down there? Who is your inspiration? What you are wearing reflects your sense of judgment. What is appropriate for occasions. Hallelujah. And then number four. What we wear identifies us as belonging to or coming from a particular place. Because sometimes the way you appear is very, very clear where you are coming from, where you are going, where you come from. Our clothing defines, defines us in terms of our culture, in, in terms of what you do, your function, etc. So when the scripture says that we are supposed to then clothe ourselves with certain things as believers, those things, if we put them on, they will fulfill the same function for us spiritually. Are you here? Are you connecting with this message? So we now go back to look at the things we are told to wear from verse 12. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, you must clothe yourselves. Physically, you wear some garments. But spiritually, you are also supposed to dress in a particular way. It defines you. It tells a lot about you. Your clothing tells a lot about you. Sometimes even in profiling people for any event, whether criminal or not, is the way you are dressing. You know, stop and search. There was a season I, I tested it when I was working in the hospital. There was one part of me that thought, let me be free after all, what is it? So I just wear trainers, jeans, t-shirt to work. Just have my my bag, and I'm just gone. Nobody knows what I do, isn't it? It's by force. When I get there, I'll change into all the other gears that we used to kill people twice <laughs> and do all the things that we do. And when you return, you return like that. Now, I started noticing that, for instance, I think most of the time we were about five returning from South London, from King's College area, Denmark Hill, jump on the train, get off to Willisham, uh, Lewisham before we now, some of us will now connect, but all of us get to Lewisham before we disperse. And we noticed that apart from the one white person with us, four of us are blacks, but these are champions, you know, these are champions in our field in the hospital. And yet we were all simply dressed like that, you know, you just want to be free. But when you get there, Police will just pull us aside and stop and search. So we, it's only when they start the things that they realize, what do you do? Flash your card. 
oh, I didn't know, you know, and I'm not a thief. I'm not carrying knives, but I look like someone that carries knives because of the way we appeared, wanted to be single. And it goes on for a while. So I decided, no, I want to test something. So I started dressing this way to work. I just put on my suit, white shirt, my tie, and have my bag to get to work. I'll be working with the same set of people. They're still in their T-shirts and stuff. They will still be stopped at Lewisham. I am no longer stopped. I try to present myself to be stopped. They won't stop me. The way you dress is the way you'll be addressed. So you realize that they profile you because, you see, that sort of description does not fit the description of a thief. Anytime there is police activity anywhere, they say it, it fits the description. And, and if they shoot a CCTV, it's either the thief is in a hoodie, some kind of panties that are sagging, or, you know, that kind of thing. Anytime they see things like that, it's, it's that sort of thing. But really, rarely do you see that the description of the criminal was a guy in suit. Now, so you see, what you wear is so important to what you represent. Are you here? And that's why I always disturb the young man, the young man the young men to make sure that their trousers is not hanging. We just don't want to see your boxes, please. What is this that you, just pull it up and just move on. What is this sagging thing? And sisters, there's a place to display the ties. Are you here? It's not for public consumption. Keep it, keep it holy and righteous at the right time and right place. Amen. Sense of reflection, your sense of judgment as to what is appropriate. So when we consider all this, what we are therefore being asked to wear as Christians is important. As Christians, we wear two different forms of uniform. One for battle and one for normal life. Amen. Spiritually, we wear the pieces of the warrior's armor listed in Ephesians chapter 6. But in everyday life, for these four functions of a clothing to reflect, the Bible says that we are to clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy. You're supposed to wear that one. Wear it, tender-hearted mercy. Amen. And then we are supposed to wear kindness. It's another piece. Maybe it is a singlet. Maybe the panty is tender-hearted mercy. Singlet is kindness. Before you add some other two on top t-shirts and things that you wear under depending on the state of the weather. Whatever you are putting on. One day I saw a patient. He was wearing too many clothing. I just thought at least two or three should be enough. But he's taking things off. Just take, take your shirt off and let's examine and listen to your chest properly. And he's wearing stuff. About ten. And I said, why? He said he wants to appear that he has put on. <laughs> that he has really gained some weight. I said, this is, this is pretense. So it is true that maybe some people are looking big, but they are not big. They are wearing 16, 16 pieces of clothing. <laughs> the scripture says that we should clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Tender-hearted mercy is a clothing to put on. Tender-hearted mercy. When people see you, they should see tender-hearted mercy. They should see that. Tender-hearted mercy. Sometimes you see wickedness in Christians and you ask whether there is an iota of mercy in them or not. <laughs> but this morning, wear tender-hearted mercy. Amen. 
Not just mercy, but mercy that you are driven by the heart. It's a state of your heart. And it is a reflection of the nature of Christ in you. Christ is merciful. See, a tender-hearted person is willing to touch what no one wants to touch. Every time in scripture we see lepers cry out to Jesus, they first ask him to have mercy on them. And he indeed responded. It was a reflection of his mercy. Tender-hearted mercy. Because lepers in those days were ostracized. They were, they were automatically removed from the community for fear of contagious diseases or passing on the leprosy to another person because it was highly contagious. It was highly contagious. I hate calling it by its medical name because of the fact that there is an element of my name in it. Because leprosy is called Hansen's disease. I'm grateful the sake was not added to it. But the Hansen is spelled the same way. <laughs> and the Bible says that a leper came to Jesus. Mark chapter 1, verse 37 to 41. A leper cried to him and said, if it is your will, heal me. Because nobody wants to talk to them. Nobody wants to relate with them. They are always thrown outside the city gate. They stay there till they die or they get miraculously healed and then they come and show themselves to the priest. And on many occasions, the ten lepers who were healed, you see that nobody wants to talk to them. They cry, Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest and they got healed. Leprosy was a serious issue. There were four lepers outside the city gate. All those things, they were kept outside. And the Bible said, when he cried for mercy, Jesus did not only say, I am willing to heal you, but the Bible says he touched it. Even the priest was not allowed to touch a leper. But tender mercies. Jesus touched what no one was willing to touch. May we show tender mercy in the name of Jesus. We, tender mercy shows love to those who, in our own definition, don't deserve to be loved. But in practice, really, we too, we didn't deserve to be loved. God loved us. We wear a cloth of tender mercy. A part of your clothing is tender mercy. Amen. And kindness. Kindness. Be kind to people. It's a clothing you are wearing. The Bible says we should wear kindness. Be kind. It is the clothing of the believer. Another piece of clothing. Kindness. When people come into contact with you, how kind are you? Kind people go their way to make people feel hospitable. People feel welcome. They assist. They help. Jesus helped others. He was kind to others. May we be kind in the name of Jesus. There is that part of our flesh that wants to revenge. But kindness overrides revenge. In Jesus' name. Kindness. Sometimes we can be kind by just offering a listening ear to someone. The Christian must be wearing that. If someone sees you, are you wearing kindness? Do we have time for people? Because kind people also have time for people. You offer your time. You are kind. And kindness, ladies and gentlemen, we are not born with it. Some people may look kind, but... It is also a virtue. It is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, it says kindness. Kindness. Soft-hearted. Gentle. Kindness. Are we wearing a clothing of kindness? Or we are wearing the clothing of abrasive behavior? Jesus was kind. Those who came to arrest him, the Bible says they have come. They've announced even their mission that they were coming to arrest him in Gethsemane. Peter moved swiftly with the speed of lightning, with surgical precision. He cut off the guy who came very close. He just cut off the guy's ears quickly. How oh, Peter is smart. An apostle who can cut off ears like that. 
But the Bible says, Jesus immediately took the ear from the floor and attached it to the guy's feet. My God, I mean, how many of us are ready to do such a thing? Is it not the time to say, God punish you now? You see, if you like, touch me again. <laughs> you want to arrest me, you see what happened to you? Your ear is off. The next one will go off. The next will be your nose. But Jesus immediately took it. It could be very bloody. And when the ear is chopped away, it will be wriggling a little bit. And he just took it and put it there. Super glue. He just touched. Kind person like Jesus could do things like that. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit that we will wear the clothing of kindness. Now, the things you wear... What you are wearing outside is what people see first. As they get closer to you, and depending on the extent of closeness, you begin to uncover one bit to the other. And so when we wear the general clothing of love, as people get close to us, they must begin to see tender-hearted mercy. They must also begin to see kindness. They must be able to see all these bits of the pieces of what you are wearing. As people get close to you, they should be able to see what you are wearing. You know, depending on the level of relationship, if you follow me home today, depending on the level of relationship, I may be in this and talk to you to the end. There are some others too, when we get to the house, I'll just easily take this one off and have conversation with them. There are others too, I'll take the shirt itself off and I'll be in my singlet and be able to still talk to them because of the level of relationship I have with them. Amen. May they see you wearing this clothing in Jesus' name. That makes you a believer. And then the Bible says that put on humility. Humility is also a piece of the clothing to wear. How humble are we? You know, sometimes we think humility is just saying please and thank you. But humility is a state of our heart. What will be your response in the case of extreme provocation? Where is your humility? A humble person is the person that may have power to do harm and still withhold it. That's self-control in exercising humility. A humble person or a powerful person doesn't display his power. And is so down to earth and yet retains that strength. God, the son, was humble. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that he humbled himself even to death on the cross. That he was now having a name that is above every name. Humility was part of the clothing that Christ had on. He was very humble. He was so humble that he could come down to uneducated people, fishermen. And sit with them, relate with them, and eat with them. And until somebody tells you this is the creator, you won't even know. He doesn't go about, you know, throwing his weight about. He's so gentle, he's so calm, and so humble. Humble people can relate with everybody at any level. Humble person. They don't throw their Unless you get very close, then you find how humble the person is. Sometimes from a distance, we think people are proud. It's only sometimes when you get closer, then you find how humble they are. Because a humble person is also able to recognize and acknowledge other people's giftings and potential. And it's not jealous of them. That is humility. Hallelujah. I remember some time ago, when we had the church office, a man has heard my messages, and he wanted to come and see me. Now he drove by the area, he didn't have an appointment, and he came. I was downstairs checking something, and I was about to go up when he showed up. And he says he wants to see Reverend James Hansen Saki. And I said, I'm the one. He said, look, I didn't come to play here. I, you know, listen, please, can you show me his office? Uh, I, I'm not interested in his small boys. So I, I stood there and I said, okay, please go up upstairs. You, the secretary is there. He will show you. So I carried on my work downstairs. 
And then later, I got up. But I knew, I knew that when he goes upstairs, it won't take him a second. If he has eyes, he will find out that the man he talked to downstairs, his image is there. So as he went upstairs, I'm sure he saw the photograph. But maybe he may not pay attention because he's looking for a big man. Pastor <laughs> Justice is looking for someone like Pastor Hawk. And so I came up and they, they, they did told it, oh, he's, 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 he's gone downstairs. Didn't you see him downstairs? Anyway, I just came up later on and greeted and went inside the office. And then finally, when he's ushered in, he was full of apology. I'm, I'm sorry, you know, I was expecting. See, the voice, the voice on the CD, the voice on the CD is so powerful. I was expecting a big person. I said, because God made me small, I speak big things. <laughs> Don't you see the Chinese? They are small, so they do great things. So it can compensate for it. After all, don't we put precious things in small things? Eh? Your golden ring, where is it? Is it in a big box? It's a small box. God packages special things like that in such packages. Charlie, give us some credit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Humility. So we don't go about throwing tongues. It's only when people get close to you and say, see your qualifications, say, hey, is that what we are dealing with? But what do you expect? So you can dance with the youth. You can do so many things. And it doesn't change anything about you. It doesn't change the anointing on you. Humble yourself. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It opens doors. Wear humility. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be forced. It comes naturally. Your humility should come naturally. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. What are you wearing? What are you wearing? The former prime minister was my friend. See, I don't say these things. But see, my encounter with her was because I was asked to represent black Pentecostal churches. So in the passing of the modern day slavery bill, I was very instrumental in drafting some parts of it. So I was in the house of lords. The grace of God. <laughs> and at one point, I had to have a, a meeting with her and to share a few things that would help in putting some points under some sections. And as we were talking, her officers were there, but her cup of coffee just spilled. And I just got up immediately to want to clean it. And she said, no, 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 no. Her father is also was a vicar, and she, she understands the position of a father. Why am I doing this? He said, oh, my men are here. Don't, I, I just cleaned the thing for her. It is natural to do so. I, it, it's just, and she just couldn't get herself around it. But what do we need to do? Even the son of God, who is creator, he spoke, and Peter came into being. He could still allow Peter to shout a little bit. Peter could just say to him, you are not going to die. What do you mean by that? And the Bible says, Peter rebuke him. Peter, quiet. Who should we? Peter rebuked Jesus. Because, you know, Jesus humbled himself to be able to relate with every one of us. Please, humble yourself. Wear the clothing of humility. Take it off gradually. People will begin to see the different clothing that you are wearing that packages you in the mighty name of Jesus. It doesn't take too much to be humble. When we are humble, we say please and we say thank you. Humble people are able to acknowledge the source of their support and help. Jesus was humble and he calls on us to wear humility. The Bible says we should therefore clothe ourselves with humility. Clothe yourself with humility. Sometimes the level of pride is amazing. Pride is disrespectful. A proud person is disrespectful. A proud person is rude. I said some time ago that rudeness is a weak person's imitation of strength. When a weak person is imitating strength, he becomes rude. 
shows rudeness. He doesn't know how to handle himself. Be humble, be respectful. Humble people respect other people. Amen. Wear the garment of humility in Jesus' name. When we are humble, we are content with what we have. Humble people are content with what they have. Amen. You are content with what you have. Paul said that I have learned to live with abundance, and when I don't have, I also know how to live. It doesn't change anything about you. Your anointing will not be disturbed because you came down to some people's level. So you are not my class. The apostles, none of them was Jesus' class. Please, calm down. Amen. Let's wear humility. Let's learn to respect one another. Let's learn to appreciate people. It's a sign of humility. You don't force it. It's a state of your heart. In Jesus' name. Wear humility. Wear humility. So you see, if you are looking at the way I'm dressed, I'm wearing so many different pieces, but we are wearing things. Can be from shoe to socks to the trousers to the shirt to the tie to the jacket wear humility add it to your piece of clothing for some of you it may be the fascinator it is the humility you are wearing <laughs> show it amen and when you are pushed you see, your humble nature is not seen most of the time until you are under pressure. Because what is inside you only comes out when you are under pressure. Your real nature comes out under pressure. And so when you are under pressure, what is going to come out? What are you wearing? Because whatever we wear is going to protect us from something. Your clothing, I said, reflects your sense of judgment, it also protects us from the cold, from the heat, from danger, from so many things. Your clothing plays a lot of role. And I believe that humility itself is protective. Amen. Because sometimes, you see, when you are not humble, you may end up revealing a secret to people who have no business knowing that secret. But it's because People are talking, you two want to tell people that look, we, two, we have a bar of gold in the house. I'm robbers will visit. <laughs> see, you see, your humility is not helping you because you just can't control yourself. You two, you want to say something. Haven't you seen those people that hijack conversation? When you're talking, they, they center everything around them. Everything should be, it's just about them. And I accomplish this and we have got this and we have got that. Charlie, calm down. Because your, your failure to be humble can expose you to danger. You are talking too much. Some people talk too much because it's a sign that they are not humble. They want to be heard. They want to be seen. They want to be seen to be having connections or have some power. Or they too, they have got something. And you are playing to the hands of enemies. Wear something that will protect you in the name of Jesus. There is a time and a season to say what you must say. There is a time and a place to share what you must share. But may God help us to wear humility. In Jesus' name. When new people come to church, may they see our humility. May we be able to connect with them. Rich or poor. Because humble people don't have preference to... Oh, okay, let me only re relate with the wealthy people in the church. You relate with everybody. You visit everybody. If people book appointment to see you, you don't discriminate between, but this one, what is he bringing? No, they are human beings, isn't it? And you are, you are another human being. Just humble yourself. You are nothing but dust and ashes. Humility. I don't know why I'm dwelling on humility today. But I pray in Jesus' name that the Lord help us to put on. Now, we are supposed to put these things on. So it means that it's deliberate. It's intentional. You must voluntarily put them on. Clothe yourselves with kindness, with humility, with gentleness. 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 Be gentle with people. Be gentle with people. And you will see that gentleness and patience were joined together. 
Because you see, you, you really can't be gentle until you have a certain dose of patience. And I've always defined patience as the ability to accept annoyance, frustrations, and delays without complaining. It's not very easy. Amanda, it's not easy. Isn't it? Mm, you will complain. I will say it as it is. <laughs> and be free. <laughs> wear gentleness and wear patience. Amen. What a uniform. What a clothing to wear. Gentleness and patience. How gentle are you with your spouse, husband and wife, listening to me this morning? How gentle are you? How gentle are you in accepting the faults of the other person? If you relate with anybody, you will do things that the other person doesn't like. But how gentle are we in addressing the issue? How gentle are we? Can that be seen? Maybe your gentleness is a singlet, so that one is for your wife. It comes very close, then they can see how gentle are you. Or you just run off at it. This is the reason why I do. You are not dealing with a hyena. Please calm down. Gentleness. Gentleness in resolving conflicts. How gentle are you? May God help us to wear the garment of gentleness. Amen. Be gentle with them. Be gentle with the children. Be gentle with the people you relate with. Mother, be gentle. Amen. Be gentle with the children. Be gentle when you have to call them to go to school in the morning. Shouting much. I say, get out of the room. Get to the bathroom. Gentle, gentle, gentle. When you communicate, get to the bathroom. It can also be heard. He said, when you shout, then they respond. <laughs> Sometimes they have to calm you down. They have to calm you down so that at least your blood pressure doesn't spike. <laughs> calm down, calm down, calm down. Be gentle in that. Be strategic in the approach. Amen. Be gentle. Be gentle. You see, gentleness helps us respond to issues rather than react to them. When we react, we have repeated what was done. Those two words, react. But when we are gentle, we respond. That means that we think through, even if it's a split second, think before you open your mouth. Amen. <clears throat> Amanda. Tell, tell Elvis that you will be gentle. <laughs> I don't know why I'm just seeing something there. But <laughs> Elvis, tell her that you will also be gentle. <laughs> tell her that you will be gentle. <laughs> this message is for them. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Are we in church? And be patient. You see, when these two were introduced, we are taken to the next verse of things we should wear. It says, gentleness and patience. Then it says, you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. It's still a piece of the clothing. Make allowance for each other's faults. Now, most of the time, that's why we are not gentle, because we just can't make allowance for people's faults. They must be perfect to the point. So there's no room, there's no allowance for error. May God help us to make room for each other's faults in Jesus' name. That means the scripture recognizes that we all may make some mistakes. We all will have some faults. This morning I came to pastor you. Amen. 
So this is a pastoral ministration. I'm just being gentle and kind. I'm not shouting, dealing with demons. I'm just dispensing the medication nicely and gently so that at least you can swallow it. Amen. Be gentle. Be gentle. And make room for each other's faults. And forgive the person who offends you. And it's very, very important. You see, if bearing with one another, forgiving one another is, is present continuous. It didn't say one of offense. It means that there, there's, there are some people, they will continue to offend you. and You have to be gentle until you help them. That's why one day when Jesus taught on this one, the apostle said, please increase our faith. <laughs> they said, then they came to say, how many times do you say we should forgive? Seven times seven. He said, no, 70 times seven in a day. 70 times seven in a day. That's 490. Is that correct? Yeah. 490 times in a day. That means the Lord is expecting somebody to offend you 490 times in a day. And each of them, you must be able to forgive. Be gentle. Hey. And at that point, if you read that scripture, the Bible says the disciples said to him, increase our faith. Because this one. <laughs> May the Lord help us in Jesus' name that we will be Christians. Tolerance. Because it matures you. Amen. It matures you. These are not easy things, but we are supposed to wear them. We are supposed to wear these things. And remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others too. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. Amen. Ladies, love. Love covers all these pieces. It's not, it's not, it's not kissing. That's not love. <laughs> Young people, when they hear love, the all that they think about is kissing and sex. We can be baby neighbor. It's all these things. This is love. For God so loved the world. Did he have sex with us? No. He gave his only begotten son. <laughs> he tolerated our foolishness. Had patience until the time came that he went to the cross. Endured the cross and paid the final penalty and set us free. May we wear this garment in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. So that we can... Minister to people completely so that it will cover these things when we wear them, it will cover parts of us that is not supposed to be seen. It will protect us from danger. It will also reflect our sense of judgment and it will also tell people where we are coming from. What you wear tells a lot about where you are coming from, about your perception of things. I've seen two men fight in this church Because one wore something to another person's baby lame ceremony. That's all. The other person got upset. Said, you, I wore suit to yours. When it was my turn, you decided to wear T-shirt. <laughs> they said, you have disrespected my baby lame ceremony. So, yeah, people take offense. Isn't it? We are not. So, we need to understand in this, you know, when I heard it, I, I didn't throw it away. I said, it's not trivia. It's not trivia. It is, it is a very important matter. I didn't say, oh, this is trivia. What is the meaning of this? No. It's very, very important. It's very important. Because for that person, this is my golden day. This is my time. Because I could identify with the same thing. Yeah. On my wedding day, somebody believed that he should have been the best man. And I pick another person as the best man. This person was so offended that he didn't wear suit. He came and he wore batik. Just wore some batik at the top, some black trouser. I can still remember that because it was hard for me to take. And I could see that it was a statement of spite. Because 
He's angry. You see, so it tells you a lot of things about people. How they consider what you consider so important. And they come and chow chow, chow chow. Do you know chow chow? Oh, God help us. He's just wearing some slippers. It makes some noise. Chow, chow, chow. <laughs> are you in church today? What are you wearing? Ask somebody, what are you wearing? Hallelujah. Amen. Is it the actor of your temperament, your tribe, or the garment of Christianity? May God help us in Jesus' name. One day a man beat his wife. When I intervened, he said, we are family where we come from. We, we lose our temper easily. I can't handle this nonsense. And when I look at the guy, he's very big. And his wife was just like me. So he, he just lifts her. He just lifts her like that. Just slap her and she falls on the bed. Lifts her again. Slaps again. Charlie. So we are, we are family. When we lose our temper like that. I said, you are proud in this. You need a heart transplant. The next minute he will be in church. She could tell him me contaya. Hey, Yantolebe, I said, Talema contaya. What is the meaning of that? Where you can't even be gentle with the error of your wife. And even the issue. Let me. Okay, let me go. You, it's okay. It's okay. The issue is nothing. The issue you want to perform signs and wonders, and she said, she's not ready. She is tired. Give her some time. It costs for slapping. I mean, how? So what we are wearing is so important. Glory be to Jesus. The things pastors solve, you don't know. <laughs> some people think we don't do anything. So the pastor, pastor should go and look for work. The work we do, you have no idea. You can't manage the emotional switch sometimes in a whole day or a weekend. That you start off at a baby naming and by afternoon you are at a funeral to bury. And by evening you are doing something else and handling everything. And then you come on Sunday and come and preach. Charlie, it's work. It's hard work. May you be patient in the name of Jesus. That's why as a pastor, you must have a lot of patience. Otherwise, when you lose your temper, you insult the people. Like the pastor who got angry. People were coming late. He, he came to the church. People were delaying coming. Worship was going on. Then he went outside. Stood there. Saw the people. and said, hurry up and come in. Today, I'm not in good spirits. You will lose the kind of matters that you sit in to resolve. One of our pastor friends, my wife calls him Pastor Tyson. You know Tyson, the boxer? Yeah, because it was a complicated matter we are handling. Somebody in this church and, this, and he got angry. He said the person should confess that he has done the wrong thing. The person said, I haven't done it. He got angry and slapped the person. I said, Pastor, you can't do that. I was sitting down there. I said, hey, is this what goes on? He slapped the guy. I mean, he doesn't have the patience. May we wear humility, gentleness, patience, and make room for each other's faults, knowing very well that you also make mistakes in Jesus' name. Have you been blessed this morning? Have you been encouraged this morning? Have you been advised this morning? Ask somebody once again, what are you wearing? Figuratively, oh. Amen. What are you wearing? What are you wearing? Don't go and ask certain questions further. In Jesus' name. Because when we wear our spiritual clothes, as I've taught you this morning, it fulfills the same function as that which happens when we wear our physical clothes. May the Lord help us to dress properly. In Jesus' name. 
leave the family thing behind and wear what Christ wants you to wear from this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. May the Holy Spirit help us. May the Holy Spirit guide you. May the Holy Spirit help you. In Jesus' name, wherever you are, I just want you to lift your voice and begin to pray. What are you wearing? He says, you must intentionally clothe yourselves with these things. Clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves with gentleness. Clothe yourselves with humility. Clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Clothe yourself with kindness. Clothe yourselves with forgiveness and love. In the name of Jesus. This is the Christian's attire. Clothe yourself with these things. We Christians, this is what we wear. Pay the price to wear them. They are very expensive. That's what you should be wearing. That's what you should be wearing. Than the ones that we spend so much money on. That can go out of fashion in a few weeks time. In a few months time. Sometimes they will just, you will just be bigger than it. And it tightens on you and you now have to throw it away. But ladies and gentlemen, there is a garment to wear. A clothing to clothe yourself. It is intentional. Clothe yourselves with these things in the name of Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus.